Hallelujah. Amen. Like my wife was saying earlier, we could do that all day, man. I just a worship. This house has been just wonderful. Good morning, everybody. Did anybody wake up excited about Jesus? You know, I looked over the crowd today, and it's just, man, I just, I just need to say I love you. I'm just so grateful for the people of this church, for those that are watching on the other side of this camera. I'm just excited that there is a people that love Jesus in our city. Amen. And I know there is. I know there's churches all over this community that are full with people, but there's just nothing like getting together with family and worshiping the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about today, the assignment of today. In the last two weeks, we've uh, been pretty rowdy, pretty edgy, pretty... And today I've come with just a calm spirit, calm heart. Don't feel real rowdy. So if you're looking for the rowdy stuff, just listen to the podcast last week. Um, I guess I got so excited. I'm going to have you stand just for a second. I, I guess I got so excited last week that... Um, I, I, and so I've got to tone it down a little bit because I heard last week I was showing some skin. I guess my shirt was a little short and I was worshiping God and acting like a crazy man. And, and uh, some of the women were struggling. And uh, far be it from, from me to ever cause any woman, especially in church, to have any issues with, 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 you, you know what I'm saying. So, so Father, help us today just to stay calm and thank you, Lord, for a longer shirt. Oh, my. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Let me, um, stay with me just a second, Tom. There's, there's a couple things just kind of stirring on the inside of me before we dive into. How many women had, had, a, had an No, I'm just kidding. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So. <laughs> uh, I heard women left the church over it, but anyhow. Oh, dear Jesus. My wife loves it. She loves it every time. So. Be praying for the church in the Middle East. I don't know how well-versed you are, how connected you are, but the church is alive and well in the Middle East. In fact, we're seeing more people be born again in the Middle East than we are anywhere else on the face of the earth. The, the rate of salvations in the Middle East is, 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 America pales to what's going on over there. Iran, people are being born again by the thousands. That should be exciting. Pray for the church in Afghanistan, and uh, I know I'm seeking God and looking for ways that we could even contribute and help, help the church, and I know that they're, they're under tremendous persecution right now and a lot of unknown, and, uh, but any time that the church was persecuted, it just grew and grew and grew. Don't kid yourself. The church is alive and well in Afghanistan. We know, we know of, uh, heard of one church, know of actually several churches, but of one church that was averaging about 250 people a weekend about a month ago. The last several weekends, they've had over 3,500 people gathered together. So, so let's be praying for the church. And, uh, I, and we're aware of people that actually chose not we're talking about missionaries and ministers, chose not to leave Afghanistan and are willing to give their life to fight for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We should be praying for those. Amen. So I, I'm, just, I'm just so touched by that. I'm so thankful for that. And I just believe celebration. We need to make it a matter of prayer that the church is a whole lot bigger than just what we see in our, in our city, our state, and our nation. For God so loved the whole world, right? He loves the, the whole world. So we're going to continue to pray for them. Um, as you know, all summer long, we've been in a theme of sand and stars, which is taken from the story of Abraham. And, um, and God gave sand and stars to Abraham without going into all of it 
to, to, to build his faith, to strengthen his faith, to get his eyes on something else than his limitation. He says, if you can count the stars and if you can number the, the sand on the seashore, he's, he says, that, that's how big I am. I'm going to do big things in your life. I'm going to give you the descendants as, a, as the, the stars in the sky. And so God readjusted his focus that he could see something that was bigger than his lack, bigger than his poverty, bigger than his limitations. And though we're, we're, we're kind of shifting out of the summer season, I don't think we're shifting out of the sand and stars season because all of us are believing for sand and stars. It's the exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask. It's the stuff that God wants to do in our lives. And I probably could spend the rest of the year preaching on Abraham. There's so many things we could talk about. But today I want to make a shift because uh, as, as the church, we're getting ready to take a focus this month uh, concerning, as my wife was just saying, concerning uh, the renewing of your, your mind. Stay with me just for a moment here. Uh, the Wednesdays during the month of September here in the sanctuary and out there in our, our kids' room, youth room, uh, next-gen room, whatever you want to call it. Men are going to be gathering, women are going to be gathering, and we're going to go to work on our minds. Now, you may not think that that's important, but my assignment today is to help you see the significance of renewing your mind. Can, Can I help you? Your problem is not the devil. Your problem is the way you think. When you got born again... Here's what you need to understand. Your mind did not get saved. Your spirit man got saved. Who you are got saved. But your mind, the Bible is very clear, did not get saved. The, the, the whole part that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, that has nothing to do with your mind, and it absolutely has nothing to do with your body because your body will never get saved. If you leave your body up to itself, it will always take you to sin. The Bible says there's a law of sin in that. You have to tell your body what to do. And the only way you can tell your body what to do is you have to renew your mind. The moment you get saved, you start then the process, the Bible, which calls that the saving of your soul. The Bible teaches us in James to receive the word of God, which is able to save your souls. And that's the reason why there's a lot of frustrated Christians, because they prayed the prayer, but their life is still as messed up as before they prayed that prayer. Why? Because they never understood. Their mind never got saved. And if you leave your mind programmed the way it was programmed, you'll never experience the stuff that God has for you. And I'm here to tell you, September for celebration is a transformation month. Come on. It's a transformation month. Now, the reason why I'm excited and the reason why, one of the reasons why we pushed into this, I'm not preaching yet. This is all just um, appetizers. Um, the reason why this is, I'm so passionate about this is because my study of Abraham, and it's been a lifelong study, but, but to be honest with you, probably the last six months, I have just gone to school on the covenant that God made with Abraham because it's a covenant that you and I have. And one of the things that, that, that me and my wife would always talk about, because when Abraham first started off in his faith journey, uh, he was messed up. His mind was messed up. Uh, he didn't get it right. He, 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 we could go and look at all the issues that Abraham had and did when God began to, to use him. But there was a point in Abraham's life that everything changed. And God was able, and we preached about that last week, God was able to give him sand and stars. And one of the greatest insights that I discovered about Abraham, when it came to Abraham's journey with God, is that he finally got to a point in his life that he had a made-up mind about his God. He had a a made-up mind about his God. In other words, when it came to his God, he never, ever considered anything else but God's thoughts and God's ways. That's the reason why God could say, Abraham, go sacrifice your son. And the next morning, he gets up way early. So his wife's still in bed. Because how do you explain to your wife you're going to go sacrifice your son? She wants the details. I ain't got time for details. I got to obey God. He had a made-up mind that whatever God said, he he was God's man, and he was going to do it. He had a made-up mind that was surrendered and devoted, a mind that was ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. And because of that, 
because of that, I'm telling you, this is the ingredient. If you want God to do great things in your life, you're going to have to have a, you're going to have to have, learn how to have a made up mind, a surrendered mind, a, a loyal mind, a committed mind that says, God, you're my God. And whatever you want me to do, I have a made up mind about that. And when he transitioned to a made up mind, you know what happened? God gave Abraham sand and stars. God blessed him and increased him, made a nation out of him, brought Jesus the Messiah through his lineage. And you and I are sitting here today in these chairs because of a made-up mind. Somebody shout, made-up mind. So with that being said, let's read Mark chapter 6, and then we'll pray, and then, Tom, I'll be done with you for a second. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, Nazareth, his hometown. And his disciples followed him, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. This is Jesus. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, the brother of James and Josephus and Judas and Simon, and not these, his sisters, the sisters here with us. So, so they were offended, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, now catch this, he could not do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few headaches, a few sick people, and healed them. I want you to pay attention to verse 6. And he marveled. And he marveled. Only twice in your Bible that you'll ever find this word marvel or in connection with Jesus. It's only connected twice in his whole earthly ministry where the Bible says that Jesus marveled. And we're going to look at both of them today. The Bible says, and Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Today I want to share from this thought what you think matters more than you think. So Father, thank you for undivided attention. God, either in this room or those that are in their homes, those that are in the hospital rooms, those that are driving their cars. God, I pray laser-like focus. I pray that we would hear from heaven. God, we need help. We need answers. We need the supernatural. God, we need your miracles. Give us eyes to see and a heart to perceive. God, help us today. God, help me not to be scripted. Help me be a voice from heaven declares your truth to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, just one more time, if it's possible, let the Niners win. And all the Raiders fans said, that's what I thought. Thank you, Tom. I guess we got a game today, don't we? How many of you will give me some, some moments to preach? Are you all okay or you need to go home? Okay. I mean, if I'm going to stay up all night praying, seeking God, you might as well stay here for a few hours, right, to hear? Okay. Have you ever slowed down long enough to just think about what you're thinking about? To ask yourself the question, why do I think the way I think? It's a great question to ask yourself on a regular basis because what you think really matters more than what you think. Every day, you, we, we are being told what to think. <laughs> oh, if there's anything in the past season of our life, we've been told what to think. We live in a society where we're bombarded by more and more and more news. More and more information and more and more knowledge. And that shouldn't be a surprise to church people because the Bible tells us in Daniel that in the end, the end times or the last days, the Bible says that knowledge and information would increase more 
and more and more. It's constantly streaming in our ears. It's, it's at our fingertips. It's carried in the palm of our hands. Society, culture, media is constantly telling you what to think. So here's the question. Why do you think the way you think? What news has formed your thinking? Is it the intellectual news? Is it the cultural news? Is it the media news? Is it the political news? Huh? Is it the opinionated news of your neighbor or your friend or other people around you? Or is it God's news? God's information. God's thoughts. God's promises. My hope for this upcoming month, a month of transformation, I heard it out of my mouth, a month of transformation, my hope for this upcoming month is that you will begin to think about what you think about. Why? Because what you think about matters more than you think. Now, many think their actions. Many think that their decisions, that, that's what's really important. But, but, but what you think impacts your life more than you think. Proverbs 4.23, it says this, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. I love this quote. It says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. So your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character. And your character becomes your destiny. So let's reverse that. If you want your destiny to be right, if you want your character to be right, if you want your habits to be right, if you want your actions to be right, if you want your words to be right, then you have to have right thinking. You have to have right thoughts. What you think matters more than you think. So why should we think about what you're thinking about? Well, man, the Bible is full of reasons, and that's what this month is all about but it gives us so many reasons to think about what we're thinking about because the Bible teaches us that your life is actually determined by the way you think. The Bible teaches us that your life is a sum total of the thoughts you think. The Bible teaches that you can change your mind. If you can change your mind, you can change your future. The Bible says, somebody needs to hear this, you can change actually the way you feel by changing your thoughts. Hmm. The Bible teaches that your thoughts control your life, but the Bible also teaches us that you actually control your thoughts. The Bible, you ever heard of that? Hmm. The Bible teaches us that if you don't think it, then you will not do it. Hmm. The Bible teaches that whatever gets your mind gets you. Your mind is not saved. Your mind is in the process of being saved. But I want to give you the biggest reason why you need to think about what, what you're thinking about. And, and we're going to jump off here today and establish this truth. Here, here's the big one. It's because your life follows your thoughts. Your life follows your thoughts, which means if you keep thinking the way you think, then you'll keep having the life you've always had. How discouraging is that? Come on, all you have to do, if you want the same life that you have, just keep thinking the way that you're thinking. I like this quote, you are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. You see, thoughts are like airplanes. They are designed to take you somewhere. So if you board that plane, you're going 
to go there. If you board those thoughts, if you embrace those thoughts, the Bible teaches us you're going to end up there. Yeah, but I don't like there. Well, you should have never got on the plane. You should have never embraced those thoughts. Your life follows your thoughts. I think it's just good we slow down and we let that marinate. Your life follows your thoughts. Your breakthrough is not going to be a scream, running the aisles, singing kumbaya. Your breakthrough is going to be change the way you think. Proverbs 23, verse 7. Let me show you this in the Bible. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as you think in your heart, so you stink. That's my version. So you are. In other words, you become the way you you think. This is, this is, man, this is helpful. This is, this is, a, this is the answer to, to 101 life issues today. Proverbs 4.23 in the Good News Translation says, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 in the New Century Version says, be careful what you think about because your thoughts run your life. So your life is moving in the direction of your thoughts, which really means, now now don't miss this, which really means that your thoughts are either taking you or moving you towards God or away from God. I, I need you to hear that. Your life moves in the direction of your thoughts, which means your thoughts are actually moving you towards God or away from God. And this is where I want to begin this whole idea, what you think matters more than you think, than you think, especially as it pertains to the way that you think about your God. A.W. Tozer, great theologian, early 1900s said this, the most important thing a person can do is to think rightly about God. And I want to weep every time I read that. He said, the most important thing a person can do is to think rightly about God. What you and I think about God is absolutely the most critical and most important thing in your life, hands down. Our thoughts about God, the way we think about God is massively Important in determining the kind of life you will have here on planet Earth. I wish somebody would have taught me this when I was in church as a teenager. I'd had no idea that my mind didn't get saved. I knew it was still messed up, but I thought it all got saved. It didn't get saved. Your life moves in the direction of your thoughts. Your thoughts are either moving you towards God or they're moving you away from God. What you think about God is absolutely important. We see this in our opening story that we read in Mark chapter 6. It's a story that shows us how our thoughts impact our real life, how our thought life impacts our real life, especially when it comes to the way we think about God. In the story we were reading, here's Jesus. He goes to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is his home, his hometown. It's, it's, it's where Jesus grew up. He, he spent his childhood years there. This is where Jesus lived his life. And he, the Bible says that he's standing in the midst of a group of people. I want you to see the picture here. And they are astounded and they are amazed and they are beside themselves because Jesus was speaking with power and he was speaking with wisdom, and he was speaking with authority. And, and they knew Jesus, and they knew, and they had heard about the mighty works that were performed by, by Jesus and by his hands. But instead of believing him to be the Son of God, you know what they said? They said, this is just the Son of Mary. We, we know who you are. You, you grew up here. That, that's your mom, and that's your brothers, and There are your sisters over there, and these are the people who should have 
above all other people been willing to receive and ready to believe him as the son of God to be sent by God? Because, because if, if anybody should have been hungry for God, if anybody should, should know that he's the son of God, wouldn't it have been, wouldn't it have been Nazareth? But, 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 but they're, they're offended that they know he's got power. They know he's got authority. They heard that, that miracles were being done. But they said, that, 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 you know, this, this, he's, he's just the son of Mary. He's just natural. He's just, he's just ordinary. Here's, here's his brothers and here's his sisters over here. This is, this is God in the flesh, though. And he's, he's in the midst of them. He's the one who put the world together. And he's standing in the midst of people he grew up with, and he's displaying heaven's authority. But I want you to see it here. But instead of Nazareth seeing him as the Christ, instead of Nazareth seeing him as the anointed one, instead of Nazareth seeing him as, as, as the son of God, they only seen him as the carpenter. They said, we know who you are. You're just like us. You're ordinary. This is what we think. You are Mary's son. This is what we think. There's your brothers and there's your sisters. Oh, but he wasn't just Mary's son. He was, he was Yahweh's son. Now, here's the problem. If you only see Jesus as Mary's son, the carpenter, then he might be able to build you a wooden stool. <laughs> he might be able to remodel your house for you. He might be able to fix a dinette table for you. But if you see him as Yahweh, he can open your eyes. He can deliver your soul. He can bring breakthrough to your life. They didn't see him as Yahweh's son. They seen him as Mary's son. And so you get what you see. And so they can get a table out of Jesus. But they're not getting miracles. They're not getting miracles. They're not seeing the blind eyes and the lame walking and the blind seeing and the dead being raised back to Christ. So these people in Nazareth, they put a limit on what Jesus could do in their community. The Bible, in fact, says that Jesus could not do any mighty work there. It didn't say that he wouldn't. It said that he couldn't. Why? Because the way they saw Jesus. Their thinking about Jesus limited what Jesus could do in their city, in their lives. The way they thought about Jesus hindered everything that Jesus came to do for them. It was their thinking that limited God in their lives. You know, there is a Nazareth mentality, isn't there? You see, the Nazareth mentality was that Jesus was just another man. He's no big deal. He's our, he's our homeboy, right? He's, he's, just, he's just one of us. You see, Nazareth is about a people who don't deny Jesus, but they just reduce Jesus and what he can do in their life. Churches are full. <laughs> Not this church. But churches are full of Nazareth people. They, they don't mind hearing the cute little sermonette on a Sunday morning about Jesus. Oh, but they don't believe that when all hell breaks loose in their life that Jesus is actually powerful enough to turn it around. They, they don't believe that, that Jesus is bigger and stronger and greater than any sickness, any virus. Hmm? I believe we're living in a time where God is revealing Nazareth people. If anything that we have seen in this past season, it, is, it has revealed, huh, it has revealed the hearts and the mindsets of church people. Now, I don't need no amens. 
about as rowdy as we're going to get right here. But I know what I'm talking about. And if you see Jesus as a carpenter, you better enjoy your wooden stool. But I haven't come to see Jesus as a carpenter. Come on, I need Jesus as a healer. I need Jesus as a deliverer. I need a Jesus that when the doctors tell me I'm dying of cancer, I got to know that I know that by his stripes, my Jesus still heals today. Hmm. But I believe we're living in a time where God is revealing Nazareth people. Nazareth people are people who say, I, I, I need a Savior, but I don't know about all that, that supernatural stuff. I don't know about all that miracle, crazy stuff. Nazareth people are the people who want just enough of Jesus to stay out of hell, but not a Jesus that can radically change their Life. Now, notice what the Bible says in verse 6 of Mark chapter 6. It says, and Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. It's only two times in the Bible that Jesus marveled. This is the first time. Marveled means he was shocked. It means that he was stunned, that he was astonished. It literally blew him away in today's vernacular. Their unbelief, their mindset, the way they thought about him completely shocked Jesus. And this is what I need you to know about Nazareth. Do you know from this moment, Jesus never went back to Nazareth again? Don't miss this point. From this moment, Jesus never goes back to Nazareth again. The Bible never records another time where Jesus goes back into that community again. The reason why Jesus did not stay in Nazareth and the reason why Jesus never went back to Nazareth is because of the way people thought about him. What you think about God really matters. I wonder what God wants to do in your life, but he can't because you're living in Nazareth. You want the carpenter, but you don't want the son of God. You, you, you want the wooden stool, but you don't want to see the crazy supernatural miracles. We, we need to be cute and calm and collective and, and get our little, hmm, 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 get our little country club church going here. Now, I want you to contrast that story as I begin to close this service with Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. It's another story where Jesus, <laughs> where Jesus marveled for the second time. Only twice in the Bible he ever marveled. And we're going to read the story where he marvels for the second time. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. <laughs> I've got to be careful because we could, we, I'm, I'm, oh, the centurion wasn't even a church-going person. The other people were church. They were, the other people Jesus was doing, they were, they were church-going people. They were Jews. Jesus was sent to them. <laughs> this guy didn't even go to church, but he knew more about Jesus than the Jews that should have known about Jesus. And he says, Lord, I know all you got to do is I, I don't need no carpenter. I need a healer. I need to deliver. I, oh my, speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I'm also a man under authority. Centurion, he was a, he was a leader. He was a captain over 100 people having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another he come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard it, 
<laughs> Second time in Scripture. He marveled. He was astonished. He was shocked and said to those who followed, as surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. We drop down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. As for the worship team to come back, here's Jesus. He's in Capernaum. It's just a, it's just a fishing village here. And here's the centurion, like I told you. He's just a Roman officer. He's over 100 Roman soldier. And he tells Jesus, I am a man of authority. I, I understand how authority works. I tell my soldiers to go, and, and they know. They go, and I tell them to come, and they, they come. And, and Jesus, I know, because I've been watching you. You're more than a carpenter. I believe you're the son of God, and I know you carry some authority. I know that, that whatever you say, Jesus, I know that, 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 that heaven will back you up. I know that whatever you say, it will happen. Jesus, all I need you to do is just open your mouth, and so you don't even have to come to my house. I don't even need, I don't even need an appointment with the pastor. All I got to have... Hmm. Because Jesus, I know that if you'll say a word, I know that if you'll speak it, it will release heaven's authority and my servant will be healed. And it's that part of the story that verse 10 says that when Jesus heard this, he marveled. Man, let that let that carry some weight with you. Jesus was astounded. Jesus was shocked. It's the second time in the Bible that Jesus marveled. He's completely shocked. He's completely stunned. He's completely amazed. Now, let me frame this for you. We're going to land the plane, and we're wetting your appetite. You need to be here Wednesday nights. You need to be here on Sundays. Because we're going to change, as a church, we're going to change the way. Mm, we're going to change the way we, we think. The first time that Jesus marveled was because of the way people of Nazareth thought about him. Would it be okay if I just get piano? Just piano. I know I'm so picky, huh? And you guys over here just smile just a little bit, okay? Bring it up, a little smile right there, yeah. The first time Jesus marveled, are you hearing me? He marveled over the people of Nazareth and the way they thought about him. The second time Jesus marvels in the Bible is because of one man from Capernaum and it was how that man thought about Jesus. Now hear me, don't miss this. Don't, don't let this just slip you by. If you want a different life, you better hear what I'm saying because this tells us something very important about our thinking. What? That our thinking really matters to God and God knows what you're thinking. Now notice what happened when one man thought right about his God. This is just a few verses down. This man thought right about God. It's, it, 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 it causes Jesus to pause. He's completely shocked. He, he, he heals the, the man's servant. Some say it was his son. He heals the man with just a word, with just a word. But then just a few verses down, this is what happened because of one, one man's way of thinking about his God. I'm telling you, everything changed for Abraham when he had a made-up mind. You, you want to see everything change for you? You want your life to be different this year? I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to get a made-up mind. You're going to have to change. 
You're going to have to change the way. In Matthew 8, 16, this is at the end of the day. Jesus has already healed the servant, and this is what the Bible said. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and Jesus built them a stool, and Jesus built them a table, and Jesus built them a house. No, no, that, that's, that's, that's Nazareth. That, that's, that's Nazareth. That, that's what he does in Nazareth because you get the kind of Jesus that you want. You always get the kind of Jesus that you want. If you don't want a healing Jesus, you don't have to get a healing Jesus. If you don't want a Jesus that delivers you, you don't have to get that. If you don't want a Jesus that's in your business, Jesus will never force himself on anybody. You always get the Jesus that you want. The question is, is this the real Jesus? I wonder what kind of Jesus the American church is serving. When you think of pastors and ministers and missionaries and people that are willing to go to a church service in Afghanistan knowing that they might be murdered and become a martyr for Christ. And if it's just a little bit of inconvenience, if it messes with my football schedule, Dear God, I don't even know if I can be there on Sunday. God forbid a sickness is going around. So we don't have a Jesus that heals. We don't have a Jesus. Oh, see, I'm going there. I'm, just, I'm sorry. It's been the way it is. Come on, we got, we got to get the right kind of Jesus. We got to get the real With the real Jesus, please stand up. I'm sorry. Did I show anything? Did I show anything? I'm trying to keep my skirt down. I'm trying with the real Jesus. <laughs> oh, with the real Jesus. Please stand. Stand up. He didn't build him a table. He didn't build him a stool. No. It was a city that thought right about their God. The Bible says, it says, and many who were demon-possessed, he cast out the spirits with the word and healed Oh, Does Jesus want to heal me? Oh, Does Jesus want to deliver me? Oh, Does Jesus want to prosper me? Oh, He wants all to be impacted by the real Jesus. And here's what I want you to see. One man's right thinking about God activated God's power over a whole city. One man with a made-up mind about Jesus released heaven and changed that city. Now, this is what you probably don't know. Remember, Jesus never goes back again in his earthly ministry to Nazareth. But did you know that what took place in Capernaum here actually caused Jesus to move his whole ministry there? Did you know that Capernaum actually became the, the headquarters, it became the home base for, for the entire ministry, the entire evangelistic team that Jesus, oper he operated not out of Nazareth. He moved everything he had to a city who thought right about their God. Why? Because he found a people whose minds were made up about him, about what he could do and who he was. What made God marvel? What you think about it. What made God marvel was the way people think. I want you to get that. What made God marvel was the way people think. The one that created this universe, the Bible never says he marveled over his creation, but the Bible does say that he marveled over the way people thought, specifically the way they thought about him. Celebration, Transformation Month. Well, what would happen if we got 
our thinking right about God. But what would happen if if we started thinking right thoughts about God? What what would happen if we we turned off the evening news? Like, you need some more of that? What would happen if we quit scrolling through all the feeds and, 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 and start thinking the way God wants us to think? I'll tell you what would happen in celebration, in our community, and in our city. I think that we would... We would shock God. <laughs> uh, in fact, I believe it's time for some of you to shock God. <laughs> shock God by the way you think about your God. God, I'm not going to be scared another day. I'm not going to be fearful another day. God, I'm not going to be sick another day. I'm not going to be poor another day. God, I'm believing for signs and wonders and miracles. God, you may not do it in Nazareth, but you can do it in my life. You can come to my Capernaum. I'm just here to tell you what group of people are you going to be? Are you going to be the Nazareth people? Are you going to be the Capernaum people? Are you going to get a little wooden bitch made so you can survive in your cute life? Are you going to let Jesus be the Lord and God of your life that can set you free and deliver you? Come on, somebody shout. Stand to your feet. Come on, somebody scream. Somebody shout. Come on, you could do better than that. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Does anybody got any shout in them? Come on. Does anybody want to see the real Jesus stand up? Celebration, I believe that we have been, man, I, mm, whew, if you've missed this year, you've missed it. I believe God has just been laying this thing out step by step. Man, you online, you, you stay connected with us. Stay connected with us. I believe this is the next part of this. I need you to place priority. I need you to place priority on changing the way you think. You need to find out what the Bible says about your thinking. Why? Because it'll start saving your soul. Why is that important? Because the way your mind goes is the way your life goes. And I just believe today if we can make the quick adjustment about the way we think about our God, (laughs) we can make him marvel. And all of a sudden, the blind and the lame and the deaf those who've been diagnosed with cancer and those who've lost hope and those relationships that need to be restored, all of a sudden they can come in an environment like this. And as a pastor, I'm not just handing them a wooden stool every week and a wooden table every week and a limited Jesus every week. I think God wants to be God in our city like never before. And I believe... We have authority in this house. I know there's other churches in this community that want it more than ever, but we have authority in this house, and we can, mm, mm, we, we can make up our minds to say, Lord, count me in. I'm looking for my sand and stars. And I'm telling you, if you want sand and stars, you want the great life that God has for you, this is the next process in the process. It's time to make God marvel with a mind that thinks right about their God. Father, I thank you today. (laughs) Mm. Just lift your hands. Can we open our hearts? May we become the Abrahams, the Sarahs, of our generation. God, we've come to the place in the journey of our life that we're making up our minds. God, let celebration be a Capernaum and not a Nazareth. Do what you 
can do in this place. God, let there always be hope in this place. May there always be the supernatural in this place. May there always be the God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever think or ask for the down and the hopeless, for those that are in despair, those that are discouraged, those that are sick, the hopeless, downtrodden, neglected, the abused, the hurting, the bleeding, the struggling, the suicidal. God, those who are bound, may they find Capernaum in this city. God, today we make adjustments. We make adjustments in our life and we begin the process to do everything we know to change the way we think about you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You receive that today. Come on. Come on, does this help anybody today? Listen, this is more than just a big commercial. This is our marching orders. Wednesday night, right here in the women, women in the sanctuary, we're going, we're going, we're going to change the way we think. We're going to learn some truths about the Bible, the Word of God. Just don't leave yet. Nobody leaving yet. Men, we're going to gather together. We're going, we're going to change the way we think. I believe this is such an appropriate message, and I want, I want to sing that because I, I, I'm not sure that I'm quite done. Are you, are you done? Are you? I would hate for somebody that could have been healed, wasn't healed because we were racing off to, to get another kind of Jesus. So I don't know if you have something to sing. You don't have nothing. You said you would have something, right? Just that new wine would be good, huh? Just that new wine. Just, let me just, just say this. The reason why I brought this message is I, I'm so hungry to see the power of God restore and heal and deliver. I'm, I'm weary trying to counsel people out of their problems that we never can counsel them out of their problems. I'm tired of patting people on the shoulder, say, well, you know what, just hang on another day. When I read my Bible, I see a Jesus that I don't know that the American church really sees. And I believe we're on a mission. You've come way too late for me. I've already seen way too much. I know God heals. I know God delivers. I know God doesn't want an ounce of fear in your life. I know God wants you walking out of your house every day with boldness and confidence, going somewhere to happen with authority and power. He's not looking for a church to hunker down and to hide and be complacent and to be cute. He's looking for his church to, bright, to shine brighter and brighter. Why? Because, because your healed body, your restored life is hope for somebody who is lost dying without Jesus. I'm just declaring today, we don't serve a Jesus that can just build you a cute little stool. We serve a Jesus that opens blind eyes, that causes the lame to walk. Come on. That raises the dead back to life. That's the kind of Jesus. I declare today with a real Jesus, stand up in our life. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. Come on, lift your hands. Let's sing this. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 